pale horse. The man who sat on him was dead. And hell followed with him. You're killing me, man. Everyone and welcome to Declarations of War. I am your host, Alexei Avkar, joined by Nora Brethren Levitane. Good day, good day, good day. And our very special guest today, the founder of infamous Pirate Alliance, Stay Frosty, a band apart, CSM alum, incredible artist, and recent artistic entrepreneur, Rick Javix. Hey, that's me. I left out a few of your accolades, but we'll get to that in a second. Uh, well, let's before- up the whole shit. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. Uh, before we jump in with Rex, we asked our audience, there can be only one, Hydra, Truth, Honor, Light, or Vydra. Our fans love a classic, the original Hydra, 64%. Congratulations, Truth, Honor, Light, to your Alliance Tournament victory. Pretty dominant finals. Let's see if anyone can unseat them next year, or if they will once again <laughs> rename and rebrand their Alliance and try again. I like this idea of different names each time, but it just makes it very confusing. It really does. Oh, that would be a good, a good tournament, though. though. It was good to see the AT back, and it was a really good tournament. A lot of good matches. Absolutely. Uh, Rick, you have been on the show before. You were on our CSM 16 candidate panel way back when. Yeah, Do you want to give a-, a quick refresher for our audience? Uh, sure. Yeah. No, I mean, that was actually, I think, uh, might've been my last podcast. I've kind of been uh, not doing them for the last year and a half or so after the CSM, uh, election, you know, it was kind of, oh man, podcast every week, you know, two or two or three shows a week. And uh, it was pretty intense and just kind of got tired of talking about myself all the time. Decided to just play E for a little bit, but, um, and also, you know, um, kind of, do some things that I hadn't that I've been talking about doing for a long time and, and just really never got around to doing because real life was so busy or whatever. So um, this fan fest, when I was in Iceland, I took time out to, um, to meet with uh, a few of the people in the marketing department at CCP and, and said, you know, it's been 10 years, 12 years, whatever it's been. And I think it's time for us to formalize this thing. And they were extremely open to the idea. And, um, in July, I launched an e-commerce store over at rickjavix.com, which is a URL that I had been holding on to for about 12 years and um, started selling uh, my artwork, you know, posters and, and things. Uh, pretty much a goal of mine since the beginning. But um, it's kind of cool to see it actually uh, come true. And it's been doing really, really well. And it's given me uh, a nice little outlet for my work. So it's kind of nice to have a place to put it finally. Absolutely. And and how does that relationship work? Do you essentially rent a license from CCP or do they make a little bit off each sale? What's that arrangement? Yeah, it's it's pretty simple really. I I signed a, you know, contract. There's co- contracts, licensing contracts and things. And uh, it's pretty simple. They take um they take a percentage. Uh it's not a it's not a unreasonable percentage. It's a 10% off of the sales, off of gross sales. So I I can live with that. It's pretty good. Oh, that's not too bad. No, so it's fair. And they, um, you know, for the first couple of months, it was, uh, hey, here's some work I'd like to publish. And then they would look at it and go, yeah, that sounds good. And then after about a month or two, 
of that. They just went, you know, just just do whatever you want. And if it's something that we don't like, we'll let you know. But I haven't had any issues with any of that. So I think they just got tired of looking at it and and trying to approve it. <laughs> <laughs> They're just like, well, just publish stuff. And if it's something we don't like, we'll let you know. So pretty cool. So many people will not know, but you are the artistic mind behind many of their favorite Alliance logos. What else can people get on your site? What do you sell? Uh, well, on the site right now, I'm, it's mostly posters, and that's mostly what I'm interested in. I, and, the, and the reason for that is because there are other licensees. You know, there are other artists doing things um, and selling watercolors and, uh, you know, people selling other items. And then there's the items that Eve sells on their own store, you know, some of which is mine, too. <laughs> um uh, like the freaky frigates and, and things that I've and t-shirts that I've designed for them over the years. So I don't do t-shirts. Uh, I really didn't want to do anything that somebody else was already doing and, and have to compete. So I wanted to create something that was my own that you could only get. And I, I really have never understood why uh, there was not more posters for the Eve community. The Eve art art department does such great work. You know, why aren't we selling posters? But so I took that. Um, so, but I also have phone cases and um, uh, metal prints. Uh, you can also get the posters framed uh, in metal or wood. Um, I did have some canvas prints up, but they didn't sell. So I, I'm not selling those anymore. Yeah, pretty much that. I'm trying to expand the phone case line, but I'm kind of limited by what my supplier. So that that's another thing that I want to mention too. They, um, I had to, I went through like three months of looking for a, a good supplier. My my goal was to find some a company that can help me. Uh, as you know, well, let's back up. So back in 2015, I created uh, six posters that CCP sold through a company out in California called QMX. And those were battle battle cruiser posters, and then I did uh, a set of frigate ones too. Mm-hmm. And and one of the complaints from people, which was uh, more than fair was that uh, international shipping. A lot of times the international shipping for those posters was like maybe twice as much or three times as much as the actual posters cost. And that was a real problem for people in in Europe or Australia or New Zealand or Russia or somewhere who wanted to get those. So one of the things that I decided was I promised myself I was going to create a solution that would alleviate that problem. So it took a lot of work, but I found a company that essentially – has 30 locations around the world. So, and by locations, I mean, uh, production facilities. So when they, when my posters get printed, they get printed as close to your physical location as possible. So that not only does that save on shipping, but it also saves on uh, customs problems and VAT taxes and things like that. So, uh, if you're in Germany and you order from, you order my posters, they're not coming from the United States. They're coming from Germany. Because uh, I have a production facility in Germany, so that pretty much takes care of all of Europe, and then they have production facility thirty of them all around the, all around the world. So that that also keeps the um, the wait times down, um, you know. So it really it really, it's been working really well. Oh, that's a super convenient strategy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it worked. I mean, it worked. It was a lot of work. It was a lot of groundwork getting it up and running, and there was some, uh, you know, some. There's always when you start something new, you know, you have some issues here and there. But and then again, the global supply problems that everybody's having. So sometimes, um, you know, a phone case will go out of order or there was a couple of weeks there where we couldn't get metal frames. 
so when you ordered a metal a metal uh, frame poster, there was a delay. But you know, I've I've really had a lot of fun like communicating with customers and 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 helping them solve their problems. You know, I've I've learned a lot about the mail systems in the in various countries, like how horrible the royal mail system is in the UK. Testify. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, because I, most of my complaints come from the United Kingdom. Uh, like, hey, Bricks, where's my where's my posters? And I go uh, follow them through the tracking systems and 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 find out that the Royal Mail, you know, left them on their doorstep for a, a single day and then took them back, you know, and, and took them into some kind of you know vast um, holding area uh, that they have to go get them from. There's problems like that, but that's, you know, there's not so much I can do about that on a local level, obviously. So kind of cool. Yeah. And you can only do so much. That's you're yeah. doing a lot. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's been kind of fun trying to, you know, solve problems. And uh, one guy ordered a metal poster, which is uh, printed on aluminum. And they're they're really cool. I have four of them here in my office. And um, his came uh, dinged up on the corners and, it was cool. I um, it was the first time that I had an issue like that with the company I work with, and uh, so I had him take photos of the damage, and then um, I sent the company the photos and told them what happened, and they replaced it for him immediately. So that was kind of nice. Wow, that's super cool. I never yeah. heard of a metal print before. I've, I've heard of canvas prints, obviously, and um, yeah, Redbubble were, does wood print, but yeah, there's a company called Displate. I don't know if you've heard of them, but they yeah, do. I've got, a, got, a, got a few of their prints in in my place. Yeah, so they do a ton of metal prints, and uh, it's like that. So it's like very cool. Yeah, it's pretty neat, especially they, the map. I, I'll also map looks so good. They were they were really good actually. Um, one of my plates that got sent was also damaged, and they replaced it really quick. So I mean, their their customer service was on point there. <laughs> yeah, and then and then uh, the other funny thing that happens is quite a bit is um, people who order uh, the frames. The frame, the metal frames don't come put together with the image in them. So there, you have to assemble the metal frame, and then, but the images sometimes come in a uh, between two pieces of cardboard, so they don't get beat up. But it, it can look like a packaging. So I've had quite a few people, you know, three or four people, convo me and say, "Hey Rex, I got the frame, but there's no art." <laughs> and uh, I'm like, "Hey, you know, be very careful about the packaging material that you've ripped off out of the box because the poster's inside of one of those." <laughs> And then, you know, there'll be a silence for about 10 minutes and then they'll come back and go, okay, I feel stupid now. (laughs) (laughs) That's kind of funny. So you've made a lot of pieces. Are any like a favorite of yours or is there one coming out that you're really excited about? It's funny. My my goal has always been, and I'm still searching for this piece, is to create a, a piece of art that is transcendent. And I and try to explain what I mean by that. Like, I'm trying really hard to create something that I feel cap- encapsulates the spirit of Eve Online, right? And it's really hard to do. And I have a couple of ideas that I'm still working on. I've got a 20th anniversary idea that's taking me forever because it's a pretty complicated piece, but um, that I want to do for next year since it's the 20th anniversary. Um I do I do spaceships obviously and that's that's also a funny thing because people will be like hey that I just came out with a wolf and a hawk uh, for the assault frigate uh, which turned out really nice and I'm super proud of those two and uh, people will be like well where's my ship because you know the one thing you learn when you're doing art for Eve is everybody has their favorite spaceships you know that uh, I have a person in my alliance who just really desperately wants a Griffin Navy issue piece of art 
Mm-hmm. And and it's like, well, you know, there are 448 different spaceships, and I, I can't do 448 pieces of art. So that's that's not with that I'm attitude. Sure. You can't. <laughs> not, not with that attitude. <laughs> exactly. I guess I could technically do it. Uh, one for every ship. Um, but you know, that's, that's kind of funny, but, um, yeah, no, so I, you know, just for me, it's, I, I do what I like and I, I try to not think about what, I don't want to get into a situation where I'm trying to create a piece of art because I think it'll be popular. You know, it's like, that's, I want to do it a, to learn something new about myself and do something that I've never tried before or create something that I think is absolutely awesome and beautiful and different and not, you know, something that you can get anywhere else you know that's something unique to me and uh, a piece of art that somebody would be happy to hang on their walls you know mm-hmm. <clears throat> not a not an easy thing to uh, to accomplish and i've been to various levels of of success on that and then there's the other side too which is really the most popular things that i do are, are the maps that i've done the, the new eden map um which is that kind is of lord of the ringsy looking one yeah, that one. That's the that's the most popular piece that I've created. Sold probably over I don't know what the numbers are right now, but over fifty of those I think. And then recently I created um, just one of Highsec called the Empires of New Eden, which has uh, a lot of detail in it um, that the other one can't because it's so much bigger. And um, I even put the new connections in it and the Evermark locations and the Paragon stations and things like that. I was waiting till the very last minute for uh, CCP to release that stuff. And that one has 45, I think 45 uh, landmarks that are called out on it, you know, like the, um, the Malia monument and the B- before our and all that stuff. So that's pretty cool. That's what that one's selling pretty well too. And then um, uh, Ithaca Hawk created that fantasy map. So he and I uh, got together and decided that we would sell it on the site and all the proceeds that come from the sale of that go to uh, uh, charity. Oh, so cool. That's oh, pretty good, that. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. So, I, yeah, I got to write a check here to the charity, <laughs> but yeah, it's pretty awesome. You've seen like, like, a, like okay. the Griffin Navy issue. I mean, presumably you just right. get a picture of, of a Griffin and just throw some jam at it and make it look like some kind of eccentric piece, right? Right, right. I, I was thinking maybe a wreck. Uh, I haven't done a wreck yet, so maybe I'll do a Griffin Navy issue, but it's the wreck of it because I, I hate the ECM. So maybe that would be the <laughs> fairest way to do it. Or maybe ship it to them and just give them like a random number of chance where it actually appears or not. Right, right. Just jammed. Yeah, your, your ECM's there. Your, your canvas is just like blank. Sort of frustrating. It's something that's super frustrating. Yeah, we're all big fans of ECM here. Absolutely. Speaking of uh, Ithaca Hawk and ECM, what was your Alliance tournament experience like? Oh, man. Um, yeah, it was, it was so good that I decided that was the end for me. So that's how that's how good experience was. I I retired from uh, Alliance tournament. I think this was my ninth Alliance tournament, and that's probably not counting the Open and Anger Games and you know the Frig tournaments and all. This is a lot of tournaments. Um, this summer especially was difficult because we had a lot of things going on. Uh, we had a we started restarted our Still City Eve, which is our player event that my wife and I hosted our home. And uh, we had a bunch of people come from that. You know, some people from Germany came and, and uh, Grey Gal came from Oregon. And so it was, that was a lot of work. And also on top of that, we were, we were practicing for the tournament. It just eats up a lot of your time. 
and time away from the game, time away from, you know, other things. And, you know, we didn't do well. So there's no way to sugarcoat it. We lost both of our matches again. Uh, we lost both of our matches last year. And that's just extremely frustrating for the team captain. And uh, there's me. So what I've said to the Alliance is that, um, and they're, they're going to do this. They're going to, they're going to compete again next year and they're going to have a team and I'm just, I'll be there for, you know, consulting and helping them out any way I can. And if they need somebody to, you know, help figure out doctrines and things like that, I'll be more than happy to help, but I'm not going to be a participant anymore. So I'm hoping the Alliance will continue to field a team, but I'm not going to be a part of it. So I think I've just had enough, enough Alliance tournament in my life. That is, uh, that's an interesting place to, to put yourself because you do see a lot of teams and we're one of them. <laughs> they continually throw themselves against the wall. Um, yeah, and yeah, I know we, what you we, mean. It's, it's demanding. It, yeah, it like, we takes six a, months of your life. It does. And we, you know, we practiced a lot together and uh, you guys had a great team. And I thought we had a great team. You know, we were, we were doing pretty well. I mean, a lot of the doctrine, you know, philosophy that I had put together and, and with the help of some of the others on the team turned out to be, exactly where the meta was going I mean, on that second weekend i watched a lot of my <laughs> a lot of my cops being fought against each other um so we weren't it wasn't like we were far off or we weren't um it's just i don't know you know i was on a team once that went that finished 11th and i was on a team once that finished 16th and i was captain of both of those teams and uh those were exciting runs you know you went three in a row or four in a row or whatever and that's very exciting to be a part of but those victories were a while ago and uh, you know, I just, I don't tournaments is fun and you know, maybe I'll do something behind the desk or something next year. I don't know yet. I still love the Alliance tournament. Don't get me wrong. I'm not, it's not, this is not an anti-Alliance tournament stand. It's just a, you know, maybe my time in the Alliance tournament's just over. So, or maybe I just need a break, you know, maybe a couple of years from now I'll feel differently. I guess, like I said, it's really it. It takes a lot out of you, the AT. You know, multiple weekends, like just losing three to four hours every weekend to a set particular thing that you're doing over and over again. It 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 is, especially for people who've got jobs and families, it is a significant undertaking. Yeah, it is, and you know, it's every weekend. Most of our practices happened on Saturdays and Sunday. You know, we did we did weekday ones too, but not not as often. Just because everybody in our alliance is, you know, a real person with a family and, and everything. It's not as easy. And then I, you know, I look at when they put the stats up about how big each team was. And some of these teams are 56, 70 people. And, you know, that I get a little jealous of that when ours is, you know, uh, 18. I think we had 18 people on our team. It's not a lot. So a lot of a lot of responsibility falls on your shoulders when you're part of a smaller team. I'm sure Alex can agree with that. You, know, you, you take on a lot of responsibility. You're thinking about doctrines and fits, and how things work together, and you know, putting practices together and finding teams, and it's just a lot. Yeah, and I've I've learned the hard way that I'm I'm not really the one cut out for that. Uh, luckily, I've had really fantastic help with that with Ovix, who now flies for Nano Currency, and uh, Aqua was our team yeah. captain this year. And Lave, yep. you yourself, you, you've been invaluable support staff to all three of us um, as far as putting fits together and helping to organize practices. Give shout-outs to Rob as well. Just a lot of uh, hands make everything lighter. Yeah, yeah, and it does. And, and you, can't, you can't put too fine a point on it that, um, you know, the quality of the support you get is kind of – and it does. It does affect the, 
the outcome that you get. So that's part of the problem too. And we'll, you know, just see how things go. I still love it. I love it though. Yeah. And and maybe you should give a commentary a try. Yeah, maybe I might do that. Yeah. I really liked it. I still like it. Yeah. You do a good job of it. I, I think that it would be fun. You know, it'd be something different, right? Seeing it from the other side. You know, nothing wouldn't be too bad to spend some time, you know, with everybody, too, you know, and doing that. I think it might be uh, just a different way of looking at the Alliance tournament, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Well, we have to do a little bit of an autopsy on your CSM time. That's probably the last thing you want to do after putting it behind you, but the people need to know. So, Well, I think uh, we should probably just, just, you know, for the record, be completely clear that I have not actually ever been on the CSM. So, I thought you had. Did you not win election, or am I? Nope, I came in twelfth. Uh, oh, 13th, something like that. Arcia beat me. Oh, that's right. That's right. I'm sorry. No, it's Just, okay. I didn't mean unintentionally rub salt in that no, wound. No, that's okay. It's actually- uh, but I think this question can still kind of work. Like when we did the 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 panel last year. We talked about three, I mean, we talked about a bunch of stuff, but there were three big points that came out. And I'm curious, you know, looking back a year, you were talking about scarcity, you were talking about citadels, and we were talking about communication from the company. Fast forward everything we've gone through this year with um, the price hike and FanFest and now the uprising patch and everything that's led into that. On those three topics, how do you see things now? How do you see this past year and in, in, in progression? So I have I have learned a lot this year, and I think maybe a lot of us have if we've been paying attention. But I, I've learned a lot that I didn't think about before, and the, the, one of the reasons why I don't mind not being on the CSM is because I I've said it before. I've always had you know, a good working relationship with CCP and, and most of the people who work there, and especially over the last five or six years, particularly since 2015, really, um, you know, working with them to develop the community beat, you know, stuff and uh, opening the London office and, you know, just project work really, but getting to know people and then hearing, hearing their stories and the reasons behind things. And what, and I think one of the things that, you know, perhaps we didn't pay enough attention to was COVID and not working from the office. And the two years that we all kind of took off from 2020 to 2020, early 22, of not being around each other, right? And and not really maybe realizing that that took a toll on CCP as well, you know, and the devs and the, and the people working there and not being, you know, they were all doing their best. But, um, you know, working from home is, is a challenge, especially you know, across an entire company. And if you're not used to it, that can be, uh, it can be a lot of hard work and it's not quite maybe the same sort of environment. I think what we've seen since they've come back to the office and, and are working together again and is a, you know, sort of a revitalization of the company and, um, you know, the upright, I think uprising is the result of that. So I've, I've been very happy about what's happened in the last year since, or well, at least early 2022. You know, the communications level, the, you know, well, uprising. I mean, I could just talk about that all day. I just, it's just really the end result of a lot of conversations and a lot of hard work and a lot of, you know, uh, 
challenging people to do the right thing and, you know, take care of business that needed taken care of for a very long time. And it's, in Aurora, it's just been amazing, amazingly great at, at uh, spearheading all of that and really kind of, you know, just whipping it all into shape. So, yeah, Aurora is the dev that was promised. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. If, um, so if I have anything to say, I think this last year has just been amazing. And, you know, again, we can, we can talk about, you know, nitpicky things. Um, I, I have, I have a couple of my own, which I, I'm writing up something for, um, uh, as far as, you know, uh, pirate frigates and, uh, you know, basically their ineptitude now. Uh, not a lot of people in my in my organization are super happy about that. You know, the kind of the word is Dramials and Daredevils and and succubuses and things fit into the new um, low-sec environment. They don't really seem to have a role anymore, and that's kind of depressing for some of us who love those ships and love flying them. Um, you know, we're, we're stuck with Navy and the advanced uh, plexes and things. Um, there's some nitpicky stuff. I think scarcity is still an issue that needs to be addressed. I think, you know, rising costs and prices and real world money and things we can talk about until we go, you know, until the cows come home. But that's just probably going to be with us forever. And it's just going to be a fight we have constantly. Uh, but it's, and, and in structures, I just shared with you guys that um, that report from uh, Adam for E, you know, showing the loss of structures basically across you know, high sec, low sec, null sec, it's pretty dramatic. And um, so you know, that's cause for some concern. And then we have our own, you know, example of that, which is one of the reasons why I reached out to you to begin with, was that whole, you know, thing that went on with us in uh, pizza and snuff there a couple, about a month or so ago. But, you know, overall, though, I mean, what's the complaint about now? You know, it's almost like, you know, we got, we got a lot of what we wanted and wow, it's pretty, pretty great. Yeah, I guess the the price is the big thing people would complain about. But the player accounts going in the right direction. It's hard to say the faction warfare launch has been anything but a success. Still needs some tweaks, but just fantastic in general. The yeah. new battlefield sites are great. Yeah, I learned something too last week that I really hadn't thought about before. Was that there are right now more more people playing Eve than have ever played Eve, and but there are uh, slightly less accounts than there were and of course we know the reasons why you know people have dropped accounts and things but the but the subscriber uh base is still strong so that was that was kind of a nice little piece of information that i didn't know before which kind of you know spun things in a nicely positive way yeah and i can live with that i mean multi-boxing and eve has always seemed a little odd to me yeah i think you know when i when i started in 2008 i you know everybody tells you or at least they used to, um, you need multiple accounts. You have to have multiple accounts. You can't play without it. So, I mean, I fell in that trap too. I think at one point I had maybe six or seven accounts. And what I discovered was that I really was just not using them for any reason. And as time went on, I, I just had um, a story like this with a player in our alliance who'd had multiple accounts. And he, he uh, asked me about it. <clears throat> and I told him, I said, look, I, for the last, 10, 10 years at least, I've played one account with three characters, and here's what each of them do. And there's Rick's, and there's my high sec transport uh, person, and there's my positive sex status PvP, and that's it. And I've, I've never needed another character. It's just perfect. So a, a single account can can work. I made it work. So if I can do it, anybody can. 
I've had a single account for most of my Eve career. I barely use the second one. I, I don't even keep it subscribed anymore. I'll occasionally plex it if right. uh, you know, if there's some particular specific need that I can't get filled elsewise. But yeah, I, I try multi-boxing yeah. and I, I look over at Lave Suck with it. a lot of jealousy. <laughs> he's very yeah, he's, good at it. I I am so bad at. It. I'm terrible. I think I think for me the. The multiboxing works because I, I gen, I'm, I'm a scout by, by almost by profession. And if there's one thing that's good is having eyes in lots of places, like having having your own set of eyes in the gate and not having to worry about your scout going AFK because you're the scout can be really right. helpful. Yeah, I think one of the revelations I had was, hey, I, I can't multibox. I just really just can't seem to do it. And so I'll start an alliance and that's then have those people be my multibox. <laughs> So now, now if I need scouts, I just form a fleet and say, invite people and say, okay, go, go look around here and tell me what's going on. <laughs> Love it. Well, speaking of your alliance and speaking of the faction warfare patch, you guys have been very active in the Galenti Caldari war zone. I know there's yep. some history with snuff and pizza and so what is history. that history and where are you guys now? What are you doing? Well, so for the last, um, well, you know, Stay Frosty is almost 10 years old. So, you know, in May, May will be 10 years, believe it or not. Um, nice. Yeah. So for uh, part of that, we lived in Heveris at the beginning um, when we broke off from Tuskers. And then uh, we moved to Ishimilkin for a year and a half. And then uh, other than that, we've been in Letta uh, for the entirety of that 10 years. It's just the perfect spot for us. It's our home and it's where we live. And uh, it amuses me to no end that, you know, you can be almost 10 years in the game and people still kind of misunderstand what it is exactly that you do and what you stand for. And I mean, I write so many words about it and I've talked about it infinitum on how many podcasts, but uh, it amuses me when, and, and you know, like Corvus uh, Onzo, um, who's in Cal Mill, I think. See, I can't even I can't even tell you exactly who's in which because we pay no attention to it at all. We we pay zero really zero attention to what's going on in Cal Mill and Gal Mill and, and, and Mimitar faction and the Mar faction warfare. I have no idea. So but uh, Corvus is a former Stay Frosty person himself, so he knows better. But yet, you know, he will uh, he will um oftentimes, you know, role playing or whatever it is he's doing over there. Uh, uh, accuse us of helping out the other side, uh, which is funny because he's accusing us of helping out Galmill, and then uh, Galmill is uh, accusing us of helping out Galmill. Cal- so I don't know what they're talking about. Uh, as, as you guys know, if you're flying, okay, I'll, I'll give you a great example. So a couple of months ago, I'm flying through Vay on my own, uh, coming back from somewhere, and there's two guys in local. I don't know who they are. They convo me. And they say, hey, Rex, um, you got some guys on? And I'm like, yeah, there's, there's 15, 20 of us on right now. And they're like, well, there's a structure here in Vey that needs to be blown up, and we we could use some help. And I'm like, okay. So I, I fly back to Leto, which is like three jumps. I tell everybody. We all jump into Oracles. We fly back over. We shoot the structure. It explodes. The other guys are happy. We're happy. We all fly home. I only come to find out later that that was a, I believe it was a cow mill group that was shooting a gal mill station so then gal mill accused us of working with the cow mill i had i had no idea we we were paying no attention to whose station it was or who owned it and 
because we're just pirates. We, you know, and if somebody needs help, if, um, you know, you're flying through Hadley's and somebody says there's a Varger tackled in belt one, we all fly over and, and help people kill the Varger. That's just the, the way it works. We don't really, you know, think about politics a whole lot because we're a non-aligned, non-partisan. We don't have blues. You know, we fight everybody equally and fairly, and we're just looking for good fights. So that's where, that's sort of the history, the background of of what Stay Frosty is and how we've lived so long. And one of the, one of the other things that we do, obviously, is we put on huge events and we've been doing that for well since the beginning my first event was in 2010 it was a it was a death race uh through providence and um i think 150 people showed up for that event and since then we've been doing death races and frigate free-for-alls and you know uh, all over the place i think i've done 15 frigate free-for-alls the last one was the eighth one that stay frosty has done in a row and uh, in this March, we'll do we'll do our ninth frigate free for all. Last year, we we broke all the records that we had set the year before. We had twenty thousand fully fitted frigates on hand in Aletta to hand out over six hours. Uh, we had a six hour event. CCP came. You know, uh, thousands and thousands of players came. We blow we blew up. I think it. Will, I don't even. Oh, may have just lost Rex. Oh. Well, hopefully he'll come back soon. But yeah, that was a fantastic event. I really wanted to be there myself. I think it was a bad time or I had something else going that day. But the fr- Stay Frosty Frigate Free for Alls, if you guys see them advertised, can't miss stuff. I think it's just nice to see there's just a lot going on this side of the neighborhood. I mean, I know Noir, I've kind of put down a bit of roots here, at least until someone comes and pays his money to go and do something else. But God damn, there's a lot of stuff going on. Well, let's hop into that uh, as we wait for Rick to hopefully rejoin. Uh, the Galenti Caldari War Zone, a lot of shit has gone down. Uh, as Lave mentioned, we are kind of parked here. We haven't really left Thera. We're just kind of here now instead. So all our Thera stuff's still there. Uh, we're still doing some things out of Thera from time to time. But there's just so much action in the Galenti Caldari War Zone. It is honestly a lot of fun. So we don't have any contracts to do. Go where the fun is. And the fun is in Galcal War Zone. We are still with the Galenti. And we've been doing a number of strategic actions. Now that we're kind of off the leash of a contract, we're free to do whatever we want. So... First thing we did was take a look at the overall war zone and be like, oh, there's a whole pile of Caldari systems in Galenti's backline. That's no good. So we went in there and led a rear guard action to successfully recapture those systems. Systems like Murathan, Melmanil, Letta, they were either in Caldari hands or were about to be. And we helped turn the tide there. Big shout outs to Pizza and a lot of the local guys that helped us push it. Especially, um, Castol was getting some great push work done by the locals. Really cool. And uh, after that, it was like, oh, look at the map. What do we need? What do we need? Uh, there was a pretty significant push by Caldari on both fronts. So we stayed where we were initially and helped turn the tide in the southern front, which is Essence and the Black Rise slash Citadel border. And then Placid got pushed really hard. 
we nearly we nearly lost systems that were preventing the Cal- Glenty staging system of Lil Rear from going frontline, which would be very bad, capital B. So we went up to Vlil to help stabilize that front, which it now is. Um, the fighting is still hot and heavy. It's some of the heaviest fighting in the entire war zone, but Kaldari is no longer making progress. And we're still up in Vlil for a little bit. We're going to be moving on to something else, which I will not break down here, but hopefully in the next one. And if not the next one, the one after that, we'll be able to discuss it. But trying to take Nars' special set of skills and apply them to the overall war zone in a way that we can you know, have an impact and at the same time express the kind of EVE gameplay that we want to express. So that's where that's been. Man, it is just nonstop. Um, of particular note, well, actually, before we move on, Lave, do you want to add anything in there that I didn't touch on? Yeah, I mean, it's faction warfare has long been kind of neglected. Seeing it have this much attention and really good changes is very strange. Um, there's a lot of good things to say, and I think as a court, we've done what we felt was right and moved basically where the action is. And for me, this ticks all the boxes that I like in Eve. You know, there is mixtures of small gang, solo, mid gang, high gang, and sites which stop tech two stuff so it's all that kind of faction and navy which is quite interesting and you don't have to deal with massive blobs of marauders and sinusaural fields and capital drops and whatnot it's really nice to see this low site being so active and i've just we just while we were doing the show we completed a battlefield um and coming back a few systems and there are cow cow mill everywhere and we've just watched a gal mill fleet go um, smashing into their site itself it's it, it is a really good place to be even for kind of people just joining the game who have never really dipped their toe into pvp um it is a really good environment for it right now um i, I don't know of any other place i mean I've, obviously i have eyes in the mr mimitar war zone to know what that's like but it's it's in a strong place right now from a pvp point of view um and if you've never tried it or you kind of bored with where you are right now you could you could do many things worse than come over to faction warfare in its current state right now it is looking really good yeah and if you're not going to join noir we are recruiting and <laughs> why don't you just join kaldari because <laughs> they need the help yeah i think yeah. they've um they've been steadily losing systems um the southern front has been pushed quite nicely as, as just moving on the back line was secured and they pushed they've pushed out on fell today um and they're kind of pushing up towards the kind of the, the Nasuatama area itself. We're, as you say, we're on the northern front. Um, Algernet and Ikes are being pushed hard by Kaldari, but it's pretty kind of a bit of a stalemate right now. Uh, they can't make much progress. And yeah, it just there's just action everywhere. I believe since Nora joined Faction Warfare, Kaldari have not successfully taken a system. I'm not I mean, saying, that's, brought, all, I'm not saying Glen- that's all us, but at the same time. You remember, we remember we brought the Galente Navy in. They, they had no chance. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I think I talked so much, I broke my internet, so I'm back now. <laughs> you did. I heard just talking about all the hot fighting in the Galcal War Zone. Yeah, no, I mean, faction warfare, the uprising is amazing. Uh, Low sex never been better. It's just absolutely amazing. It's pretty crazy when you hear rumors that Nullsec alliances are moving in, you know, hordes. It's not rumors. They, they, you know, yeah, they really are. Tester here in, in Caldari Mill. Um, there's yep. a rumor that Brave are coming. 
Um, I'm pretty, I'd be pretty stunned if a lot of the big no-blocks don't put entire SIGs down here. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm sure of it. Um, especially because when one does it, the others kind of have to go to match. You know, goons are going to be doing it because Horde's now in it, and so on and so forth. I think the interesting thing about us is a lot of these groups are just going into faction warfare, and that's pretty much all they do. If you want to do faction warfare, but you also want to have your EVE content variety spiced up, nor would be the court for you because of our mercenary work. We're still going to go into Nelsec. We're still going to go into Wormhole Space. We're still going to deploy to other parts of low sec to fight. Maybe even some high sec stuff from time to time when the money's right. So it is a good bet that you will never be bored as a member of Noir. But when we're not on hire, this does, at least for right now, and I, I say this knowing that we could potentially get sick of it at some point, but at least right now, this is legit capital F fun. Yeah, I don't think they're done. I think there's going to be you know some more stuff coming out here shortly that's going to be pretty exciting too. And I've heard rumors about this system being used uh, to expand you know into Nullsec even. So I'm curious to see what that's like. Um, so I think there's you know a lot of room for growth here, but I think this is a great foundation to whatever you know might be coming next. So we'll just have to wait to see. I think I mentioned that in one of the previous shows. I think that'd be a great idea. I mean, you know, imagine having this kind of lattice type system itself, but putting you no know, two no blocks next to each other. Um, I think there's a lot of advantages from it, and I think also just having the combat in places where you can't just drop you know capitals everywhere. Because I've gone on this is the second time I mentioned it, but it just got boring. Yeah, and imagine if this was like throughout uh, NPC null. It might be a, a very interesting way to uh, revitalize, you know, Syndicate and the Spire and some of the other. Well, I think areas there's, a, there's a rumor, isn't there, that uh, that constellation, the Antarctic had a constellation that was annexed by the Caldari militia, is going to potentially be part of the war zone. But you're right, that's that's probably hadn't, hadn't really kind of thought about that. You know, if you take NPC Null, which is a bit of a dead zone, and right. You put a system like this into it, you could bring a lot of people into those systems that weren't previously there. Right, and give give um, you know low sec people, give fashion warfare people, give pirates like us, you know, a place uh, in null sec with null sec mechanics that can try that out, you know, with bubbles and things on plex gates and things. It'd be kind of crazy. I think it would be pretty awesome, but we'll see. I mean, I don't know that that's I do not know that that's part of the plan, but I but I think it makes sense. And there's a couple of exciting directions they could go with it. And, you know, there's potential to bolt on more to the low sec faction warfare system too. Ways to give capitals more of a role, like to still keep them sort of to the side away from the bulk of the fighting. Uh, tweaks to rewards, tweaks to how quickly things get captured. So it feels less grindy. Uh, new rewards they could introduce into the loyalty point stores. There's a lot still going in here. And I think they planted a lot of seeds during the lead-up to the Uprising patch that we have not yet seen sprouted. Yep, agreed. But speaking of the new innovations, one which I would love to see applied to NullSec in some form is the Battlefield system. We haven't really talked a ton about the Battlefields. They have come in in a very big way on this patch. Yeah. Battlefields are now the most effective system capture method. They're spawning every, I think it's two-ish hours. There's an offensive and a defensive one, and they are always hot. Yeah, they're amazing. I love them. I think it's so great. I know, and it's I'm nice coming. that the pirates can get in on it, too. Like They can slide in. They can try to kite, 
you know, kite around, get some kills, the militia fighting each other. There's it's a mix of PVE and PVP in the same place. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, no, I think I, I was literally just in one in itself, and I think last show I couldn't really say more about it. I mean, I think already you're starting to find now the people the ways of game of of militias doing it properly because so, there are three capture points, there are three warping points, neutral one militia, other militia, and really to to shoot everything kind of in one area because this is how far you, you have to almost be in the very center of the arena and have, have the ability to hit out to 150 kilometers. That's how far these things can be apart. So it's quite a large area. And often what the, what the militias now are finding is that the the rats of the opposing faction that spawn you, ha- you, if you leave the big one, like the battleship or the battle cruiser, alive and kite it outside of the capture point radius, and then web it down, you can essentially stop more um, ship spawning. Because if you just nuke it after about a minute, another wave of um, NPCs will warp, and you have to kill those. But you can effectively just snipe off all the support kite and drag the big one out of the capture radius and so you start capping the point and just a bunch of small frigates just hold it down outside the point that seems to be the prevailing thing that's that's now emerging for this yeah that's one of the things i'm not super loving about it it feels a little gamey and immersion breaking to be able to manipulate the ai like that but that is also very players will do this they they've they've Eve players are masters of gaming the meta like every little thing that they can find they'll do so yeah i agree they should probably kind of tweak that make it a little bit more dynamic a bit more interesting yeah i'm sure they will because it's 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 you know well it's so new right and we're finding these things out as we go and the loyal the, the lp rewards are still pretty big i mean we obviously there's rewards scaled down with more people being in system but or in the site review but it's still, we're talking easily five-figure, if not six-figure loyalty point hits to gains, which is not insignificant. Yeah, so far we've seen rewards be 150 to 200,000. Um, wow. Sometimes a bit higher if the advantage system is tweaked. But these tend to spawn in the most heavily contested frontline systems. So the advantage system usually isn't terribly skewed one way or the other. Although that may change because they put out a recent patch, which... Uh, enable the advantage system a little more dynamic in nature. So your battlefield victory counts for a lot more advantage game and the propaganda structures and then the equivalent, I think it's listening posts. They now contribute five times more than they were before. They contributed so little that it didn't look like they were actually doing anything. Uh, now they will actually move the advantage by 1%, which is, is nice. You actually get to see the fruits of your labors. Nice. There is also a strategy where you mass run these kind of sites to very quickly and just surge up the advantage, like a power play type of thing. I've seen that happen. Sometimes you get some really nice advantage point uh, scores out of it, which obviously impacts on your capture progress for that system. And for those unfamiliar, I don't forget if we went over it in the previous uh, podcast or not, but the advantage system, it's a percentage modifier to your loyalty points and to your system control gains when you complete plexes. So if you have an advantage of 50%, which is pretty rare, I don't think we've even seen it yet, but then instead of capturing one plex, you effectively capture one and a half plexes. Meanwhile, your opponent still stuck at one. So not you can make a lot of gains very quickly, and you can outgrind your opponent if they're doing the same amount. They have to work much harder to kind of scale you back and try to keep you contained. Very cool. That's very cool. I did not know that. Yeah, and it's... Uh, 
It's affected by quite a few things. It's affected by how many systems adjacent to the system are controlled by which faction. It's affected by battlefield wins. It's affected by the propaganda structures. It's affected by the listening outposts. It's affected by a probable complex site, which spawns every once in a while called the rendezvous. Uh, You can win that site for one side or another, and that will also move the percentage. And it's just kind of the accumulated advantage of your side versus the other side. The difference between that is what the advantage is for which side. Hmm. So you can... You can't really uh, get the opponent advantage value below the connected system value. So if they have um, one connected system, they're going to start with 10. But if you also have a connected system, then you're starting with 10. So it's basically zero. You can't reduce the 10, but you can increase your number. It's I don't know why it's... <laughs> I don't know why they have the... You can increase one side and decrease the other side rather than just... You know, everybody tries to increase and whoever wins the race, but that's how it's set up. And uh, you can do some fun stuff with it. Like Lave said, a lot of blitzing can can occur, but most of the time it seems to just be a gradual push to one side or another. And I've seen it flip back and forth quite a few times, but it makes those battlefields absolutely huge. The, I, it can swing your percentage like 10, 15%. Amazing. Remember the first battlefield that we encountered? We hadn't seen one before. It popped up, and uh, so we all went over. And you know, I had I'm like, okay, so what's inside this thing? And nobody knew. <laughs> like, we don't know what's inside. We don't know. So we we just we just waited. I had a couple people looking on uh, using Google, you know, trying to figure out what was inside the damn thing, and we just waited outside for like an hour, just killing everyone who came in, um, because that's all we could do. Right, just hang out outside. We had no idea what was going on in there. I mean, this is of course a couple of weeks ago, but we know now. But it, um, it's very exciting. You know, just new stuff is good. But um, I mean, I've been very encouraged. I've, I fly around a lot. I see a lot, and uh, the activity levels are just uh, through through the roof. Really, it's nice to go into a system and see 140 people in local and uh, in low sec. It's just really nice. That's not in Tama. So it's nice to see things <laughs> spread out a little bit and, and the constant movement of the front lines and systems and things. It's something that, uh, you know, previous to this, I've never really paid any attention to, but now I have that map up, uh, every day I look at it and go, okay, where am I going today? You know? So it's something that we pay attention to now. And the map is really well designed. I have to say. Yeah. It's really cool. Well, speaking of maps, Nelsec. Not much movement on the NullSec map, but stuff is still happening there. We have two interesting stories to bring up. The first is the Battle of HPA 2-9, which happened just yesterday. It was a brave Fortazar in Venal being defended against Fraternity. Fraternity called in Pandemic Horde. Brave called in Goonswarm. And yeah, they clashed. It was a pretty... Nasty affair. Hundreds of billions of ISK destroyed. A lot of it fraternities. Uh, the brave defense held strong. Fraternity got walked away with a bit of a bloody nose. Pandemic Horde a little embarrassed because they did some pretty heavy chest beating prior to that fight. Oh, uh, yeah. It's nice to see the brave uh, pandemic. Excuse me. The brave fraternity fight happening in a more fashionable time zone, allowing for everyone else to get involved. Otherwise. You know, we we just saw a whole string of timers in like dead of night times for most Eve players. 
And those fights were either called off or were very small in scale. This was a primetime Eve Nullsec brawl. Good to see that it's still happening. Yeah, look at the numbers. There's about 1,500 um, players in total. Obviously, it might not be a god, well, the same well, one player, but um, Brave and Goonstorm versus around about 1,100 on Pandemic Order and Frat. And Frat lost a hell super carrier, along with quite a number of faxes, which I think really kind of gave them a high amount of losses compared to their total number of ships fielded. Frat, of course. Not really too worried about that. They have many more where that came from. Very, very deep pockets. But I think it's telling that they are having difficulty applying what should be an overwhelming advantage in numbers and ISK and super capitals to actually push Brave. Brave defense has held strong throughout this entire affair. And it's just really been an overall embarrassment for Fraternity, who should be one of, if not the most dominant nullsec power. And they haven't been able to push out I wouldn't call them isolated. They have tons of friends, but no real block allies. And they're a relatively new player alliance without huge super capital stores. And Brave just hasn't been able to put them away. Or excuse me, Frat just haven't been able to put Brave away. I also wonder just how how likely we are these days to see that like, like one of the old fashioned kind of big super capital brawls like this because you know. Th- between Pandemic, Horde, Goon Swarm, and Fraternity, they've got super capital fleets of inordinate size, such that the server simply couldn't handle it. You know, I, we, It's been tested before to, to destruction that when these two powers go down, if they bring out the big toys, the, serv- the server, or at least the node they're on, dies. Well, they don't really have a reason to. I mean, Fraternity's reason to do it would be Brave keeps you know, stopping everything else that they're doing. So committing their super capital fleet to try to wipe them out would be a potential solution, but they're not really compelled to do it. They feel like they can do it with regular caps and, and subcap fleets. Meanwhile, it's a lot of risk if they put their super capitals in the field. They just lost one today. They've lost others before. It's a it's a risky proposition. I think groups like Goonswarm, um, they're quite battle-hardened in regards to the use of super caps. They know how to use them. I think mean, you know, the, the wars in Dell from years back itself attest to that. And importantly, Fraternity is not. They've had this super capital fleet for a long time, and they haven't really used it in a very big, coordinated fashion. And they've never had to have adversity. Um, you know, Goonswarm, Pandemic Horde FCs, They've used super caps. They've won with them. They've lost lost with them. They've learned a lot. There's really no fraternity equivalent. They have, for the most part, avoided those kinds of engagements, had their super capital fleet ready, but declined to actually put it on the field. Well, we'll see. Uh, Right now, it looks like they don't have much to do with all their strength. And I think the longer this goes on, and (laughs) it just looks worse and worse for them, um, you know, they have ISK for days. They're never going to run out, but they can run out of morale and they can run out of standing in the NullSec community, which I think at this point, they're at more risk of losing than Brave is at risk of losing their space. Yeah, and as we know, I mean, that's really the telling telling part about NullSec conflict, right? You go on, you grind, grind, grind. And you can only go so far before, you know, membership starts to desert you. And once, once that happens, it can be a spiral that can really decimated an alliance. I wonder how much um, 
groups like uh, big no blocks like that well, fraternity. I mean, they've, they they're notoriously difficult to roam through their space because they respond like a, a nest of hornets every time you get close to one of their stages. I wonder if with all this faction warfare, maybe they've seen a downtick in people coming roaming their space. I wonder. Hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. I don't know. I wonder. There's also yeah, some other Nelsec cool. drama happening with Black Rose on the complete opposite side of the map. Uh, Black Rose was a fire alliance, no longer a fire alliance. They apparently recruited a corp that someone in Razor didn't like. Razor started to kick up a stir about it, and they were given an ultimatum. Hey, keep this corp in your alliance, and you're out. Kick this corp, and then you can stay a member of the coalition. I'm skipping a couple steps here, but that's ultimately what it came down to. And Black Rose was like, all right, well... We accepted this corp. We like these guys. We told them that they were going to be members. So we're going to drop. So that is minus one coalition member from Fireco, which already has the lowest coalition numbers and the worst coalition battle record of any current NullSec entity. Rough. Yeah, that's, that's a good explanation. I wondered what was going on there. I hadn't heard all that detail, so that's good to know. There was a drama thread on Reddit with with chat logs and everything. I'm not, we're not going to go through all that here. No. But I do think it's interesting that Black Rose made that decision. I think most alliances, certainly at their um, at their power scale and member scale, would have said, "Well, we need to be in this coalition. We can't risk upsetting our friends." Sorry, Corp, we'll send you on your way. And most coalitions, I would think, wouldn't let things get that far in the first place. And fewer still would say, hey, this corp is worth losing an entire alliance over. So it's just a weird situation. It kind of goes against the normal NullSec math you might employ in that kind of situation. It's one of those things that feels like there's a lot of backstory that we're missing out on, right? Could very well be. Some history there that we're not aware of. And it puts both of those alliances in a rough position. I think Black Rose would happily find a home elsewhere. Uh, I don't know exactly what their plans are. I've heard rumor they're going to come maybe do faction warfare for a while, along with everyone else in the game, it seems. But if they wanted to go back into an LSEC coalition, I'm sure there are many that would have them. Yeah. Fire, on the other hand, (laughs) is, is, man, they are... They're on the chopping block. I really feel bad for fire pilots who don't realize their precarious position, but they are surviving by pure apathy at the moment. If if people were focused on NullSec, if your sovereignty was worth expanding, if people felt like there were things to fight over, they would be the first to go. Not a great position to be in. No, Wrecking Crew could take them from Providence. Imperium could wipe them out, no problem. Uh, Pandemic Horde doesn't really need them. They're basically a counterbalance against Imperium, but if that need was ever taken or if they really weren't useful for that anymore and Horde had a better option they could install there, then they're fucking gone. If Fraternity ever wants to, you know, stop grinding and actually test out their pilots and get a little bit of experience, just keep things fun, get a win maybe after this brave adventure or misadventure, I should say, then I think either Wrecking Crew or Fire is the logical choice. And that's, uh, yeah, it's not great. There's really no coalition that has to be afraid of them, which is not a good place to be in NullSec. And they don't really have any power projection to go elsewhere to try to really 
get themselves beefed up. They're just kind of stuck until somebody decides they're done. Well, yeah, that's that's just really not a good place to be. You need friends. Yeah, good luck, guys. Yep. <laughs> and Nar is available. Ah, getting into our host highlights. Uh, my highlight for the past two weeks has by far been flying a Harbinger in the battlefields. This is an old Harbinger fit we adapted from last year. Shoutouts to Thaladio for theory crafting it. Turns out it is great for these things. It can hit out to about 100 kilometers, so you can park it between two sites or a site in a beacon and it's cover both a, pretty Just a regular Harb or a Harb Navy? Regular out-of-the-box Harbinger. Nice. Harb Navy is nice. I, I forget why we don't use it. I think it has a like range or capacitor issues or something. But well, the regular more. one with the inherent range bonus it has, it just is able to shred. That's the tracking awesome. is not great for frigates when they get up close, but usually on a battlefield, they're either not doing that or there's someone available to web them or smaller right. ships that can go around and kill them. Yeah, it's like a like a turret defense game at that point you just sit still and just worry about picking the right ammo and firing at whatever you gets in range <laughs> it's kind of fun that's awesome Lave, what about you um it's been nice to do a bit of fcing um finally got back into doing a little bit of things and uh, introducing some of the low side denizens to why i love the hecate and just general um <laughs> gang stuff there um we had a nice little interesting uh kind of like series of kind of like two and fro yesterday and we were in Valeria and around just kind of doing a little bit of casual camping and moving around between different plexes and Exodus brought a nano gang in and were chasing us for about half an hour. Um, they couldn't really do anything with us itself and we almost blapped their arthros. They kind of walked out with no shield and Dom's back being kind of shot at by Hecate's at range. And then as they kind of left, we snagged their carries um, and his five billion high grade snake pod which was like, yeah, have that one knee capture. And then we chased Brave and uh, killed a couple of the logistics as well. Nice. Awesome. Rex, what's been your highlight? Well, we've been, um, I'll, I'll mix my um, shout outs and my highlights together in the one thing, if you don't mind. So we, we, uh, we've had uh, a couple of people uh, just out of nowhere um, kind of create something for the Alliance to do leading up to Christmas, which has been <laughs> pretty cool we um uh berlin star and um our industrial arm in uh, lucifer's hammer kind of got together and created a 12 roams of christmas event so basically what they've done is they've organized uh themed roams um i think it's two a week leading up to christmas so it's all 12 all together yesterday i fc'd a rifter roam and um uh next weekend is catalyst navies and um, the escalation of the ships is uh, from frigate all the way up to, uh, uh, I think, battle cruisers is going to be the last one. I think hurricanes is uh, uh, the December twenty fourth, the day before Christmas. And um, we had a venture roam on Thursday, so uh, everybody got together in uh, ventures and went out roaming in them. And uh, so it's been that's a that's a hell of a thing. They created. Uh, Fitted full fitted ships for each of them and handed uh, handos will hand those out to people uh, so they have ships and uh, and then uh, myself and a few of the other alliance FCs will take out the roams and and we're just doing that to have you know just to have fun and do something different in low sec and 
kind of, you know, celebrate Christmas, I guess, and uh, for the holidays, I guess I should say. But um, it's been a hoot so far. I'm really looking forward to um, to doing more of that. So it's kind of cool. Super cool. Yeah, it's neat. And uh, we just uh, I had a new um, a new corporation join the Alliance uh, this week. And uh, so we're back over, I think, over 530 some members in the Alliance now. We're back up over 500 members. So that's pretty cool. And um, these guys have been great. They've been a, a really good addition for us. They're going to help out a lot. And uh, we're really excited to have them on board. And, um, you know, Stay Frosty keeps doing really well. And, you know, it's just things are really cooking. And I told uh, someone the other day, I think one of the one of the weird things that I've found with Uprising is how excited we all are because, you know, been a long time advocate for low second it's nice to see you know good things happening for it but there are there are a few a handful not I mean, i'm not talking about big numbers here but there's been a handful of players who have taken the the other side of that which is uh we've lost maybe 10 percent of our pilots to nullsec and other places because they changes right i think um sec has changed and um one of the things that i'm I am concerned a little bit about is some ships are um, not really fitting into the new meta as much. And, um, you know, we've, we've gotten used to, you know, the last 10 or 12 years flying, well, pirates flying pirate frigates and uh, how do those fit into the new meta and, you know, getting into plexes and things. There's a, a whole lot of ships that really don't seem to have a role right now, other than just maybe hanging out outside and trying to pick people off. Uh, Dreamyels, Daredevils, you know, Garmers, um, Succubuses, you know, I could just go down a list here, but um, that is a really in, in good point you've made there. Actually, that you know, prime pre uprising, you know, if, if you walk Dreamyels going into novice frigate, novice things are always common. Right. These days, you very rarely see um, pirate ships in any of these plexes because I mean, if you go into the advanced ones, you're just going to bring T two or something else like that, or just bring a right. shed load of navy. Because I mean, right. the navy destroyers, the navy battle cruisers, these things pack a punch. Oh, they're amazing! Yeah, and and I, and I love them. I mean, uh, you know, the cat navies, the Corsair navies, the Cormorant navies. The, I mean, heck, the Cyclone navy is just a beast. Uh, I mean, we killed one of those yesterday, and that thing was—it's just a beast. I love that. Ship. But but yeah, what what about the pirate frigs? You know, they just don't really fit into the meta. So I'm a little concerned about that. I'm not super happy about it. It's hard to, like I said before, it's it's hard to argue something negative against such an overwhelmingly positive thing that's happened. So it's a nitpick. Um, oh, you feel what you point. feel, you know? Yeah, it's a point of concern. Uh, and some people have taken that, you know, to heart. It's messed up their play style. So anytime something messes up somebody's play style, you know, but I think we're, yeah. I think overall, though, we're learning new things and we're adapting and we always do that, right? So it's only been three weeks and three weeks, a month, something like that. And, uh, you know, we're learning and we're adapting to the new meta and we're trying to figure out the role of these things and what they can do. So, like I said, we had a, we had a huge, we've had a lot of success with long range tackle and using pirate frigates outside the plexes to catch people as they, come in especially outside of battlefields so you know maybe that is where they shine you know going forward there's nothing quite like a a couple of garmers with uh bizzle points on them you know uh to shake up uh, the meta a little bit so we'll see 
it's a process, right? You just it's constantly changing and, and constantly evolving. Yeah, I mean, don't me. In some ways, I'm, I'm kind. It, it kind of fits, you know. Like this is a navy fight. Navy ships are going to be oppressive. Maybe if they did, you know, say, like, okay, now we're going to now the Serpentis are going to invade. And, you know, there's an open up right. front between going to Syndicate, and suddenly you've got sites where you, know, you can go and play on the Serpentis side, and then yeah, you get you get to an LP for loads of Daredevils and Vigilance, and, and uh, I think Vindicators. That that could be where it goes. And you're right, it doesn't quite fit into the system, and. A few times we've seen people outside plexus, you know, nano pirates itself with various things, the ships that they can't normally bring in, and I've, I've, you very rarely see the T2s these days. You know, even even in the advanced sites, um, because the bat, because you want a, you want as, as few fleet doctrines as possible, because you want you want to be able to get into the most places. I mean, you'd right. you'd take like a navy destroyer concept, and that gets you into small up and even into the battlefields. There's no point getting a T2 doctrine because you can only go into the advanced sites at small to medium and you can't touch the battlefield site so as you say if you if you really like your t2 this an uprising hasn't been great for you but for everyone else i think it's good and i think it's nice to do that because there's a danger that you'd walk into a battlefield site and find you know 10 guardians there just you know like okay good luck us breaking this <laughs> right right yeah we don't want that and when and it, it is something that we'll have to you know we'll have to see how it goes or a nester i mean imagine one of those in a battlefield like a oh couple of nesters in a right. battle like with a just a napoc gang sitting there right right and, and the one you know another good thing is that we don't have to worry about recons hiding in things anymore so that's also been awesome there's oh yeah definitely of, agree yeah, yeah, yeah there's a lot of positivity about things I don't want to rain on anybody's parade. I, you know, one thing that I have talked to, to Aurora about is pirates and independent, not necessarily pirates per se, but how, how do independents in LOSEC play into, and how can they play into the whole faction warfare thing? You know, we're, we are basically disruptors to all of that. We shoot everybody, but, you know, we can impact, um, well, we did, you know, when you guys were, um, you know, in, in Leta fighting over the battlefield and other things, we, you know, we certainly have a role in uh, disrupting the activities of, of large groups of people. And, you know, is there a, is there a more formal way of doing that? I don't know. But we'll see. I mean, even if not, I mean, a group like a 500 man alliance, you know, sitting in, in the middle of the faction warfare side of things with battles going on to either front, you, you're probably about five jumps at most from loads of action. I mean, most. Yes. Well, you kind of think, you know, if you, if you were to kind of create a group and say, how do we attract people? That's that's that's, that's gold there, you know. Go this, fly this way, kill the cow mill. Fly this way, kill the cow mill. And just, you know, and as you say, a battlefield spawns, you're like, quick, everyone into cyclones. And we're just going to dominate this site. We're going to hold the out, we're going to hold the out, we're going to hold the outside, or we're just going to go in and make ourselves an absolute nuisance. Exactly. Yeah, I think that's probably where it's all going to go. And, uh, and on the positive side for us, too, is, you know, that what you just said, the activity level, right? Because that's one of the challenges we've always had is that, you know, well, the the activity moves so much. And sometimes we'd have to go all the way down to Mimitar or more space to find fights. But, you know, now it's not, not so hard. You know, where you look at the map and you say, well, this is where, well, that's what I did yesterday with the, with the Rifters. We just went, we looked at the map and went, okay, the fight's up here. So that's where we went. And we had a lot of success. Uh, on that roam, we killed, you know, I don't know how many ships, 20 or 30 ships in that roam in two hours. So, you know, it was, it was great, good for activity and everybody's happy and everybody got to get their pew on. 
And that, that's always, that's not always been the case with low sec. You know, there have been times when you go out and you don't find anything. Man, that's been the case in Nelsec for a long time. You can go right. hours and yep. if you don't run into directly into someone's staging and then sit there for, I don't know, 30 minutes while they take time to form up, usually longer, right. Right. you're not getting anything. You you yeah, might get exactly. lucky and catch a couple stray ratters, but you're not really getting a fight fight. There's no other roaming gangs to run into. There's really no reason for them to send a patrol out to send a marauder or three. Right. And we've, and you know, we've, we've tried to, to stir up things with the ESS system, you know, raiding people and stealing their money and hoping that they would show up to defend, but that doesn't really work on They don't really defend it. So yeah, Lulsec is, it has its own challenges, but Lulsec right now is just thriving. It's very active and very busy and that's just great for everybody. You don't right, have well, to go far to fight a fight. Absolutely not. Moving into our shout-outs, i got to shout-out our Golden Elite supporters on Patreon. Bodie Wilson, Fate Atreides, Kestrel Swainsing, Krav, Mark Havoc, Ting, Tengu, and Tweak. Tweak himself joined Faction Warfare not, not too recently. So, shout-outs to Tweak. And just in general, I want to give a shout-out to the new wave of Noir and Noir Academy recruits we've had since joining Faction Warfare. Uh, we've relaunched Noir Academy kind of as a basically a trial corp. For Noir, we had a lot of interest from players coming into Faction Warfare who just were too new to PvP, no real proven combat record. I just couldn't justify bringing them into Noir directly, especially because we didn't really know them. But Noir Academy is a great way for people to come in and uh, kind of acts as a bit of a proving ground. You know, we'll give you some ships, we'll give you some direction, we'll give you some fleets to join up in, show us what you can do. And we'll give you some feedback, help you learn. But at the end of the day, we'll be able to get a good sense of if you'll be a fit for the organization long-term or not. Uh, normally, our academy is a little bit more involved, but I'm kind of running it myself right now and you know, got to scope it down to the amount of free time I have between my real life, Eve, the podcast, and, and Eve is in Noir, and then Eve is in Noir Academy. It's nothing I had to give, so that's what it is. But we've gotten a few people interested already. They're coming in and giving it a try, and I'm really anxious to see what they can do. And, yeah, I'll throw it over to Leave. Good. My, my shout-out this week is a, a personal one, um, and it's to celebrate one of our former um, comrades in Mercenary Coalition who sadly passed away after a short illness, and that's Mekor. Um, he was Mercenary Coalition, and he was very, very prominent in the Honey Hunters group, um, an MPSI group that would be pretty active in Delve, um, just killing goons. I think even when he joined Shadow Cartel with us, he just sat in Delve and just kept killing goons, and that was his bread and butter. I had the privilege of meeting Mech an MC London when we got together at London, London just in the twilight um, months and year of, of Mercenary Coalition. We all met then. He was a regular infectious personality. He was a, a, a joy to have on the comms at the time. You know, quite a bit of the antithesis, a little bit of you know what you might think of the noir pilot itself, kind of professional, kind of you know in, in kind of us in suits, and he turn up with his Norse Viking helmet itself and do the wolf cries and comms and generally love his eagles for some God knows reason itself. But he was a regular on fleets and he could fly. And he really was a, sometimes the heart and soul of fleets itself and was just particularly active there. And I think Eve's a darker place for not having him in there. So I just wanted to give a major shout out to Mech 
you know, fly safe, buddy. The signer was lit. And, and uh, my heartfelt condolences to Mekor's family and closest friends. And to the alum, and just a shout out to the Huntington's group and the alumni of Mercenary Coalition, those who knew him, you know, and it's reminder of the fragility of our of our life right now and you know that it's important to have eyes on the bigger picture and yeah just godspeed my friend uh mac will be missed well said well it's okay sorry to end on a on a down note but important to recognize the important people in our eve lives wish i'd gotten to actually meet him um went to a number of meetups with mc folks and just Never got the chance to meet him in person, which is sad. Anyway, uh, head to declarationsofwar.com to check out our polls, check out our YouTube channel. Um, it's AlexaFK on YouTube. You can comment on our show highlights or PvP videos that we're posting up. Nor Recruitment and Nor Academy Recruitment is back on. If you don't have the, uh, the kill record to apply directly to Nor, Nor Academy is an option for you. We're looking for more folks. We're looking for people that want to try out faction warfare, but not only try out faction warfare. You know, we're looking for pilots who are comfortable and in fact excited about flying around and going on adventures in many parts of the game. So that sounds like you and you want to give the faction warfare feature a try. Come talk to us. Uh, we have cafe noir dot in game. That's cafe space noir dot. Uh, and yeah, You'll find a link to our Discord. You'll find a bunch of us. We're happy to chat. Um, I think there's also links on our declarationsaboard.com page. But yeah, looking forward to talking to you. Um, a lot of people have shown a lot of interest in Noir. We've had quite a, few, a bit of growth, particularly in the U.S. Times inside. We're always hungry for more. So this is a great time to hop in and check it out. Wherever you are and whichever side of the war zone you find yourself on, good hunting, listeners.